right. Welcome back to Blast Beats and Bicycles. You're here on McAllister College Radio, WMCN 91.7 FM. This is hour two of our show this week. We've got a brand new guest in studio, and we're going to be talking gravel today with Risa Husted. Risa, hi. Hey, Jason. Good to have you here in the studio. How are you doing today? Really good. Good. Really good. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of gravel stuff, but as usual, I've got to start out with a recap of Thursday Night Lights here at the National Sports Center Velodrome. And I don't know about you, but it looked like to me from the press box that it was probably one of our best nights of racing we've had in a, in a long time. Yeah, definitely the most animated field uh, we've had it all year. It was, it was it was really fun. I mean, every single race was was hot from the go. There were a lot of tactics. I thought it was really, really fun racing just all night long. Yeah, no holes barred. Yeah, it was fun. So we had a number of different things going on. We had two state championships decided last night, and we've got one of our champions in studio. Risa got the state championship in the scratch race last night for the elite women, and uh, Peter Moore got the state championship for the men. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your race was like, that scratch race, and kind of how you played that out in your head beforehand, and then how it actually played out on the track. Well, throughout the race, it was you know 40 laps, which is uh, the longest race that our field mm-hmm. normally does. Um, throughout the race, I worked really hard to settle, to, to find good wheels and to be in, in good drafts when I could. But, but I also was aware that, um, that I needed to be in a good position for, to cover any attacks or to be in the right place, maybe to follow an attack if, if, if one, if one occurred. Um, and it, it turned out the, the way that the race went down was maybe maybe 20 whole laps of just switching out in in a pace line pretty pretty civil and then um between me and a couple other riders just like attacking each mm-hmm. other in the pack yeah it seemed like there was some pretty consistent pressure by you and the and the zubas riders in that in that race you know everybody every time one of the three of you would get on the front you could tell that the speed went up another notch yeah, and the, the the idea there because because if you're in a pace line, it's it's hard to sneak away or it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to make an attack without it being covered immediately. Um, so so what we were doing there is because everybody can see everybody because there's so much visibility in a smaller field or in a pace line. Um, what we were trying to do was shell the people that were uh, you know that yep. that we were that we were working against. Yeah, um, trying to catch them off guard and and work them. Um, it looked like it was tough set to set do because the pack was pretty well together for most of the race. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, everybody in that in that race could easily, I mean, could easily have, have won that race. So um, it was it was definitely like more tactical than mm-hmm. than than a than an all all out physical race. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just like muscle to muscle. It was a lot of like a lot of thinking through how to set yourself up for the best race you could have, and also set people that you thought you were going to be competing against up for not having the matches when it came down to it. It was, it was really interesting to see how you guys were sort of cat and mousing a little bit throughout the race. But then when it came down to it, it was, it was, uh, Anna Sviben and Aaron Porter who jumped first at the bell and you had to counterattack to make the, make your final move. Talk, talk us through those last couple of laps. Well, the last 10 laps were, um, you know, there was just a, a big bunch on, on the track because nobody wanted to go first, which is totally fair. Um, nobody nobody wanted to make an attack. Nobody wanted to go hard um, because everybody wanted a shot at, mm-hmm. at, at state being champion, state champion. Right. right. Um, but what eventually did happen is um, 
I, I had my eyes on on Hillary and Anna, who I I was like, one of them is going to go, and I I don't know who it is. So I I basically just chose to like suck wind and be in a position where I could follow either one of them, depending on what they decided to do. Um, and it turned out um, Anna had the legs to go with four to go. Um, she took a whole two laps, um, just sucking wind, and I was just on her, um, which was you know it's hard because she's she's fast but yeah. she did at some point she did start losing steam and at that point i knew even though i had two laps to go which is a long way to go off the front yeah. um i knew that i had to make a choice to just put the hammer down and and you know solo those last two two laps which was physically like hard but um you know left me with like a half like quarter, yeah, quarter at least a lap. quarter of a lap. Yeah, it was a yeah. comfortable, comfortable lead. They yeah. they sprinted for second and third, and it was photo finish for for uh, Anna and Aaron. It was really a great, uh, great finish. Shout out to Aaron, who was a McAllister graduate. So there's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a really fun race to watch because it was the group was so well, you know, composed. Everybody was really on a level playing field, and that's one of the things that I've noticed of, of about the women's field this year is the level of parity has increased. Everybody seems to have gotten better, and 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 the races are together much more frequently. They're you know over last year where there was a more of a wide range mm -hmm. of ability mm -hmm. levels. You guys are really tight, and it seems like that must be a somewhat challenging, fun, but challenging to pick your battles and know when to make your moves against a group like that oh yeah you definitely have to be you know head on a swivel all the time um last night another thing that happened was an earlier race um a racer who has has never won a race uh me and two other riders were basically just attacking each other mm -hmm. for the whole race and at the finish um we were all out of matches yeah and and a racer who had just been racing a nice smart race like yep. was just planning on sliding into the finish with the rest of the pack just you know took the opportunity and um left us all in the dust and we were just like oh well that was we you know we didn't expect that yeah. we were all we were all attacking each other yep um and she just under the radar uh i mean that just goes to show how how evenly matched everyone is yeah right now. everybody's just getting better yep. consistently yeah it was it was fun to see you know she uh she was on the front during that last yeah. like half a lap or so and and we weren't I, watching her. Yeah, we had no idea. And she held and then, you guys off. I mean, by the time you guys all went, oh wait, it was it was too late. Yep. And she had she had a little left in the tank. It was great. Shout out to Carolyn. Yeah, that was huge. First one in the women's yep. field. Carolyn Stanley. She rides for the Major Taylor Cycling Club. Um, you know, so that was one of the highlights watching you guys race the state championship uh, for the scratch race. But then you came back out and raced with the Cat Three men and uh, in the points race, the last race of the night. And you put on a spectacular escape with Alex Terzic late in the race. You had been consistently getting points throughout the race, you know, second, third places kind of throughout the, the race. But then you and Alex took off right before that fourth sprint and kind of carried the day. Talk a little bit about how that race played out, what it was like to be in that field compared to some of the other stuff you've done. Talk us through that race mm -hmm, a little mm -hmm. bit. So about five laps before before that fourth sprint um there was there were there were a pair of riders um that had gone up track they were uh trying to get away and they were trying to you know break away for the that that first set of points mm -hmm. um and and the group was pulling them back so i knew at that point when the field 
got back to these two breakaway riders that the field would relax mm-hmm. um, and bunch up a little bit and and that I needed to make a counterattack as the field was distracted, you know, taking the sigh of relief yep. that, oh, we got them. Yep. Um, we got them before the sprint. And and I knew I knew that I needed to go then. Um, Alex and I had actually made contact earlier in the race. We'd been racing for points before. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went around him, he was, you know, he was smart and he, he got right on me. Um, and, you know, we went for that, that set of points. Um, well, then Alex started slowing down and moving up track. And I, you know, I moved around him and I was like, what do you want to do? You know, you're even having those conversations yeah. sometimes um, while racing. You're yeah. like, what do you want to do? Like, I want to keep going. Yep. And I told him I wanted to keep going, you know, go for that for that last sprint for double points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he didn't seem interested. So hmm. I, I went off and I was like, Ooh, this is going to be, you know, eight laps of, <laughs> eight laps of suffering. <laughs> um, but you know, I wanted to make it work and, and it turned out he, um, he took a couple laps to, to decide, but he rallied and came back around me and, and we, we just worked together trading off, um, until we had, you know, more than, more than half a lap on the rest of the field. And at that point it was just a choice of like, are we going to try to lap the field? Is this enough? Um, and it just turned out that, you know, we just, we just went to the line together. Yeah. It was great. It was, it was great. And you ended up with third in the race Yeah, as a result of that, you know, totally unexpected for me. I, I just, I just expect to enter the men's races, um, and just, you know, hang on and have the fitness to stay with the group. But we just, you know, had the right opportunity and the right chemistry to, make something special work so that's that awesome. a lot of fun it was it was a ton of fun and that final sprint uh got disrupted that chase for the third and fourth place points was was big in that race because joshua schneider was in position to win the race had he taken third place and pat whelan came around him at the last minute and literally got him at the line and and stole the win of the race from joshua and handed it to alex that had to have been kind of a crazy thing after you kind of wound down and went what just happened yeah you i mean you can't you can't bat an eye at those old guys. Sometimes they surprise <laughs> you. Sometimes they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. they might not, they might not be, um, the fastest in terms of, of Watts, but, right. but they, they know how to race smart and they yeah. know how to, they know when to take the line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a fun night of racing overall and you did an amazing job. You really, really laid down the law in that, uh, in that scratch race. And it was fun to watch that, that points race play out too. Great. I'm glad you were there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the reason we're going to be we're chatting today is is all about gravel. I mean, you know, I know you love the track and I know you love, love all the things that are going on around there, but you've got a lot of love for for gravel riding. Talk a little bit about what got you into gravel to begin with. Jeez, uh, I guess I guess to me, when I think about riding a bike, I, that's that's, you know, where I think the bicycle's natural environment is. Hmm. Um, I think that unmaintained roads or lower maintenance roads, um, where, where you can still, you know, be on the bike and maybe get, get up to a good clip, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe use like common road racing tactics, Mm -hmm. like pacing Mm -hmm. or drafting other riders, um, that can happen, but you're still like the ultimate goal there is like, I get to be out in the woods or out in the middle of a cornfield or out, <laughs> you know, in the underneath a big blue sky with yeah, my bike, which right. is, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what biking is for. Yeah. 
Do you remember um, what your first gravel, your organized gravel ride was? Gosh, uh, I a couple years ago, I decided that I really wanted to race the, the heck of the north, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, up to that point, I'd only really thought of bike racing yeah. as um, a thing that folks did on on road bikes in France. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> but most of the biking, I mean, most of the biking that I'd done up to that point was, you know, on gravel um, around Ely, where I was living at the time, um, on just whatever looked fun. Yeah. You know, there is no, there's no dedicated single track, no dedicated bike paths or right. anything up in Northern Minnesota. So it's just, it's just wherever you can be that's, you know, provides you, uh, a, a fun route to be yeah. on your bike. Yep. Um, and, and then the heck of the North really represented the kind of bike riding that I'd been doing up to that point. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this, there's a race for this. <laughs> like I, I can sign up and, and, and race my bike <laughs> on, on these like unmaintained roads. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was that. That's, that's great. What, what are the things that motivate you when you look at a race that might be coming up on a calendar or look at, you know, sort of what's happening for your summer racing season? What motivates you about those gravel rides? What is it that makes them exciting? Gosh, I mean, a good gravel race has has a personality. Um, you know, e everywhere in the country, there's like there are gravel roads somewhere. Yep. Um, a good a good race or a good ride um, has has something that it's offering. Mm -hmm. It has like has like for example, the heck of the north. You know, it's Jeremy Kershaw goes out of his way to say like, hey, it's going to be a different route every year. Um, I'm going to do my best to keep everything on gravel or snowmobile trail or ATV trail. Um, it's going to be hard and it's, and sometimes it's going to be technical and there's not going to be a lot of support mm -hmm. and, uh, and you're going to have fun. Yep. And so that, that race is like, you know, encompasses like the North shore yeah. riding yeah. scene. Um, Dirty Kanza, same, same, but different. You know, it says like, Hey, you're going to have three chances to pick up extra food, but otherwise like it's you and the cattle and the other thousands of people <laughs> that think that they want to do this <laughs> to themselves. <laughs> um, you know, we, we offer like technical descents, steep climbs. You're definitely going to eat cow poop sometime along, <laughs> along this. You're, you're really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 206 miles later, you're going to get some of the best high fives from the coolest five-year-olds in Kansas. Uh, as you cross the finish line and that's, uh, that's what you're here for. Yeah. Um, you know, not everybody is familiar, I think with Dirty Kanza. Can you tell us a little bit about what that race is like and, and what the, the motivation is for you when you're doing the race and uh, how that plays out? Yeah, of course. So, so Kanza right now is, is largely seen as like the gravel national championships. Mm -hmm. It's a 206 mile gravel race that, um, travels from Emporia um, Kansas, uh, around, a, like I said, a 206 mile loop south and then north again, uh, with three checkpoints along the route. Um, it kind of makes like a figure eight through those checkpoints. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you go through like the town of Madison and then the town of Eureka, then back to Madison. Uh, you're never traveling on the same roads. Hmm. Um, it's all, all unique, steep climbs, steep descents um generally the 
kind of roads that I would not let somebody drive my truck on. You know, I mean, Yikes. I mean, stuff where stuff where you're like, do people drive with trailers of cows yeah. along here? Like, what is this? What yeah. is this road even for? Because wow. could you could you get could you get a standard vehicle through here? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, and it's it's just a great community that's developed over the last I think 13 years. It's been yeah. going on. Um, to the point where it's, I mean, it's just the gravel expo of, mm-hmm. of the country, uh, the best of the best. So you've there. got you've got vendors there and people set up with food and all kinds of stuff. I mean, is it kind of a party atmosphere at the oh, finish? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There are you know two days of expo beforehand, mm-hmm. and then just the finish line is yeah, just a lot of total strangers like hugging each other and crying and telling themselves, <laughs> telling each other how proud they are yeah. of each other. Yeah. Um, and the whole the whole town, if if not the whole state, is there mm-hmm. just uh, congratulating people for their finishes. And yeah, it's it's just a great atmosphere. That uh, you know, as I look at the results sheets every year and I see all the DNFs that did not finish results on the thing, it looks like a race that just destroys people. Right. How do you find that extra place or that like motivation to keep going when you hit that dark place? Yeah, that's a good question, and. Um, and to be honest, I would say for every gravel race that I've ever done, um, or even for for long rides um, where you know, like you've set up a good challenge for yourself, you're always gonna hit a point of darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, like people call it like the dark place you go into, <laughs> or some people, you know, say like they're bonk fest, yep. or you know, there's there's a point in the race where you hit a mental low. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. I don't think I've ever talked to somebody who said like, Nope, I, I didn't, I was, that was, I was great. Let's do yeah, it again. I, I was in my happy place the whole time. <laughs> uh, I think something that's important is like, is knowing, you know, everybody is going through the same terrain. Mm-hmm. Everybody is suffering yep. the same degree that I am. Yep. Um, it's not, you know, y- your brain will tell you like, Oh, it's, because I didn't eat enough or I didn't train enough or my bike's heavier than everybody else's. And, (laughs) and at the end of the day, it's not true. You know, we're all, we're all working with, (laughs) we're we're all working with what we came with. Um, and it's, it's hard for everybody and you'll get through it. Yeah. You know, it's important to know, to think like I might, I'm in, I'm in a low place, but I'm going to be in a high place again. Yeah. And, um, and it might take 10 miles mm-hmm. and it might take another 100 miles yeah. um, to be back in that place. But by the time I get to em- Emporia, uh, for sure, at least the like, the smiling kids at the finish line are going to yeah. bring me back to the happy place. Uh, but but normally it just takes like a good a good talking to, you know, you just need to tell yourself, like, I'm doing great. This hurts. It'll stop hurting eventually. Yep. Everybody else is hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe do a couple things to take your mind off of just your your present suffering. Like think about how good it will feel to finish or right. how good it will feel to come into the next checkpoint mm-hmm. um, or or even just even just focusing on like the wheel in front of you. Like, can I catch up to the person in front of me? Can I have a conversation with somebody else? Can I, maybe I, I can talk to somebody that I have never met before that I'll never meet again. Yeah, right. Um just just those little things to know that your brain can can rest somewhere else other than your physical pain. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah so setting those little micro goals yeah. gives you yeah. a chance to sort of get outside that that pain yeah. and and agony. So when you go into a race like Dirty Kanza, do you set a goal for yourself other than not die from it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. This is person to person. Um, I, you know, I set I tend to set competitive goals for myself. I mm-hmm. tend to I desire to be in a certain, you know, percentage of like the, the top mm-hmm. riders. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, at maybe at a local gravel race, I mm-hmm. would I would say to myself like, well, I would like to win this race. Mm-hmm. Um, at at a race like that, you know, if I'm in the top fifty, that's that's me being the top one of the top fifty gravel racers in the country. Yeah, you know, that's that's huge. Very motivational, um, right? Yeah, when I came in, I think forty fourth this year, I was like, great, I'll yeah. take it, perfect. Yep, I love it. Um, if I had finished a hundred and fiftieth out of a hundred and fifty one riders, yeah. That, that race is still so mentally and physically tough. I mean, every person that, that can finish something like that is, is a better person a- yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, definitely I, I will set competitive goals for myself relative to other riders, but other ways to look at it are competitive times, mm-hmm. um, or just you want to, you want to like, set a goal for yourself that's like i am not going to stop on any of the hills or i'm going to eat all my food and water before the next <laughs> checkpoint right or i'm not going to tell myself that i suck for the next 20 miles <laughs> just little stuff like that, that would, that's something i should tell myself because yeah. that's frequently I, I get into that self sort of hate mode when i'm on the bike yeah. it's, and it's not going right i'm like i'm convinced my brakes are rubbing yeah all, we all the time we all do that jason yeah everybody doubts yep. their legs or their bike or their brain. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing to know is like, you're great. Yeah. And you're out here and you're lapping everybody on the couch. Yep. Um, <laughs> there you go. And it'll be better if you tell yourself those things. Yeah. Right. You know, absolutely. So, you know, as you set those goals for yourself and you think about, you know, what, what you've got to do to get ready for a race, what are some of the key things for you in terms of preparation? <sighs> I'm a pretty, I would say type a personality. I like, I like knowing, I like knowing that, um, my, my gear is in order. I like having a plan for my, myself mentally, for my legs, Mm -hmm. for my food. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, rather than like stressing too much day of race, like I, I will start planning, you know, a couple days before a race or even a couple of weeks, depending on the race beforehand, um, you know, telling myself like, well, these are, these are my expectations for mm-hmm. myself. This is where I want things on my bike. Yep. This is where this, this is how much food I think I'm going to eat. Yep. This is what I'm going to do if I run out of water. Like yep. for me running through my, not just my best case scenario plans, right. but my worst case scenario yep. plans. What happens really if, helpful yeah, for me. Yep. How do you map out your season relative to some of these bigger races and, and some of the smaller races around around here locally? How do you kind of map that out for yourself to, to maximize your your success? Well, I used to uh, I used to just look at events that were happening um, around me or listen to people who had had done events that told me that they were fun. And I would just mm-hmm. go do those. Yep. I would just say like a week before something, I would be like, oh, sweet. 
this thing is happening. <laughs> Great. I'll print out the cue cards right now. Um, and this is the first year that I have been a little bit more uh, organized in mm-hmm. how in how I plan out races. Um, in February, I sat down um, and made a spreadsheet. Um, and I, you know, on the spreadsheet, I put down the big things that I wanted to do. Yep. You know, I wanted to race Dirty Konza again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to race the Lutzen 99er. Um, and then I have, you know, this big cyclocross season coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, I want to do these, these big cross races. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I put those mile markers in there saying like, well, got to do this race. That's at this time. Got to do this race. That's at this time. That, mm-hmm. And, and then, and then filling in the calendar, then identifying what, what else do you want to do? Like, do you want to do a lot of races with your friends? Do you want to do a lot of races that are, you know, going to be a fast pace? Do you mm-hmm. want to be do a lot of races that are going to have a lot of technical aspects? Mm-hmm. Um, so for this year, for me, um, I, I wanted to do more races that are going to challenge me as a, as, as a rider technically mm-hmm. beyond, um, challenging my like physical fitness right uh or challenging my like ability to ride mm-hmm. in, a, in a pack yep um so so then i i just i basically just filled in the calendar with dates after that point and then i um ran it through a couple a couple friends that i you know whose opinions i trust yep said like hey can i can i do this and mm-hmm. then this and sometimes you know my mentors would say things like well that's a good idea like yeah this race right before this race that'll get your legs like nice and ready for this and sometimes they would be like no yeah you know that's too much like Mm -hmm. you can't your legs can't do that or right it's just too many miles you're gonna burn out yeah Yeah. yep um so then just taking their their advice basically Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah if you're just joining us you're listening to blast beats and bicycles we're here with risa husted risa races for the taco cat racing squad and we're talking about gravel riding um you know you made an interesting comment risa earlier about uh training technically and you know the things you want to do to improve each year how do you kind of map out your improvement schedule your training how do you think about what a season is going to do for you like with your technical improvements and do you work with a coach uh i don't i don't currently work with a coach um i would probably be better off working (laughs) (laughs) i'm really nervous that um if I pay somebody a couple hundred dollars a month to tell me how to train, that they're also going to tell me that I can't do all the things that I want to do. Uh, <laughs> at some point, they're going to say no. <laughs> Not that much. Um, I don't like being told no. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, they're not the boss of you. <laughs> <laughs> you telling me uh, it's my world, Jason? That's exactly right. That's exactly it's right. my world. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you set those, those goals for your overall improvement? each year? I mean, how do you decide that this is going to be your year to get better technically? Gosh, I mean, I, uh, I do it all by feel Mm -hmm. right now. I mean, I haven't ever had, you know, some days you have bad days on the bike, Sure. but I've never finished a day of, of riding Mm -hmm. without feeling better about myself or feeling like I'm a better person for it. That's great. So, so it, it all kind of comes down to me thinking, well, what did I, you know, what did I struggle with this last year? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or what, what's nagging at me that I want to get, you know, that I want to get better at, but also like what's, what feels fun. Mm-hmm. Um, technical riding right now for me. So I'm, I'm talking, um, 
like riding single track, racing mountain bikes, um, racing cyclocross. Um, those are things that I, that I struggle with that I know that I have struggled with because I just haven't done a ton of specifically of mountain bike yeah. riding in, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know it's something that I, that I enjoy. Yep. So, well, if I, if I like it and I, and I like getting better at things, yeah. um, you know, you just, you just say to yourself like, well, this year I'm just going to make the call. I'm just yep. going to, just going to focus on doing more of this stuff and, yep. and less, less speed um more just mentally hard yep how do i handle the bike yeah better this? bike handling yeah yeah. Yep. yeah yeah it's interesting i uh, struggle on the mountain bike it's uh yeah. i mean track bike handling is so different than mountain bike or off-road bike handling and you know i've got a turning radius of about an hour on a mountain bike and you know on the track it's so much different so that's the kind of thing that always intrigues me too is i don't like to go on technical tracks off-road but mm-hmm. i really like i mean i feel like i'm accomplishing stuff when I'm going out weaving around trees or going yeah. over rock gardens and stuff like that. So the nice thing about trying something that you, you know yourself not to be super competent at yep. is, you know, every time you work on something, you feel leagues better because yeah. you are absolutely because you are right. Yeah. Just grooving that, that skill set. And I'm curious, you know, obviously one of the big bike handling challenges that comes up in any gravel race is the varying conditions of a given se- section of the, the course, right? You might have some, you know, really good, hard packed stuff. You might run into peanut butter, especially if it rained recently, or it could be rutted and washed out or just completely covered with water. How do you handle those? And do you like any of those types of terrain better than the others? Yeah, I, um, I certainly don't love being, you know, soaking wet in 35 (laughs) degrees and rainy any more than the next person. Um, but I do welcome it, welcome that kind of thing as, as a, as a challenge that Mm -hmm. you, you know, that you sign up for. Um, I would say like technically riding through, let's say the peanut butter Mm -hmm. or, you know, God forbid, there's just like an actual little, little Creek that's running right through your, your course. Um, all of that stuff, it, it just adds excitement to the Mm -hmm. race. You know, that, that variability that you get with, different conditions that's part of what makes bike racing fun yep you know um at, in the moment you know when you're when your drivetrain is like clogged with eight covered, pounds of mud covered in <laughs> yeah exactly peanut butter um you might not be thinking like wow this is great um but but it does add that element of excitement that isn't isn't really available and that i know of any other discipline yeah. yep uh, have you run into any uh, real tough mechanicals when you've had conditions like that that you've had to overcome? I mean, problems with the bike? I've been really lucky in that I've never, you know, shattered my derailleur or, uh, you know, gotten so many flats that I can't finish a race right. or um, just other weird stuff that, that happens in those difficult conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say having, you know, I'm not I'm not a bike mechanic. I'm I can't look at look at a problem on a bike and immediately know what the solution is and MacGyver my way out of it. (laughs) But, but I would say having a a sense of how the bike functions and what you can do for your bike to make the conditions that are already hard on it easier for it. Right. I think, I think having that ahead of time Mm -hmm. always, always pays off. Yeah. Um, you know, the kinds of people that have, you know, big problems in, those conditions are quite frankly people who aren't thinking thinking through like well if i you know 
downshift four cogs. Right. And my chain is covered in frozen mud. Right. It you know, might come off. It might it might break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're the they're not they're not thinking that extra right. step ahead. And right. if you if you can do that, if you can think like, well, geez, my drivetrain is not gonna love the fact that it's yeah. freezing rain right now. Right. Um you know, then that's the, that's the consequence. But if yeah. you can think those steps ahead, then you're going to have a better race. Yeah. What uh, what's your bike set up like right now? Which one? Your gravel bike. Yeah. Good <laughs> question. That's a fair question. We'll talk about all the rest of your bikes. But what, what about your gravel bike? So right now, um, the the <laughs> the Otso Wahila that I set up for Dirty Kanza, um, steel frame, pretty standard components. Um, one by in the front, so so one chain ring yep. in the front. Um, I I find that you know that that results in like less chain dropping, um, just fewer overall problems mm-hmm. if you if you can just simplify to to the single chain ring in the front. Eleven speed in the rear. Mm-hmm. What's um, your gear ratio? What's your range like on the back? So I I ran eleven thirty two. Okay, which was very small. For yeah, I was gonna say and that's a that's a very tight range. Yes, so I I ran that last year, mm-hmm. um, and. I didn't feel like I had a ton of problems with it, so I ran it again this year, and it was it was a bad choice really? for, for my setup. I I would have I would have liked just standard mountain cassette. Yeah. Um, just just the geometry of the Wahila lends itself much more to um, like staying seated while you're yeah, riding, spinning more. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, so that was you know a poor choice, but I learned from that. Yeah, for sure. So where, where, where was it? I mean, did you have a, a bunch of challenges where you really needed that higher gear range or did you feel like there was just a couple of spots where it's like, man, I don't know. I really don't want to be out of the saddle right now. Yeah. So a number of just nice, steep climbs mm-hmm. during Kanza. Yep. Um, and, and on any, you know, destination gravel race, like sure. you're, you're going to, you're going to hit a, a spot where there's just loose stuff underneath you mm-hmm. and getting out of the saddle loses retraction. Yep. Not having retraction means you're not going forward. Right. So, uh, gosh, I would have liked that wider range a couple hundred <laughs> times in those 200 miles. Um, but, but I mean, that was, that was my choice. Like yep. I, you know, that's the great thing about bikes is they're totally scalable to the rider. Yeah. You know, if you say what I'm planning on doing is riding pancake flat roads mm-hmm. for you know a couple hundred miles let's like, do a single speed right perfect <laughs> um and then there's i mean then you have so much simpler of a setup yeah um there are a lot of benefits there sure but it, you know if i'm i'm a person who says i'm gonna do ten thousand feet of climbing right in 10 i want hours, that granny gear all day <laughs> yes yes um couple other things about my setup so i ran 35 c tires okay which a lot of people thought that was a little odd yeah. That, that they're kind of narrow for for a for a race like that, and I don't feel that way. I'm um, not to brag, but I'm 125 pounds, and I uh, I did not feel like I needed uh, a a wider tire for for dry conditions. That's yeah, yeah, that's, and that's and that been. that weight saving and the the resistance that you get from an extra you know five centimeters of yeah. tire, I just didn't need it. Do you run uh, uh, tubeless? Yeah. Do you? Of course. Yeah. yeah. The, the weight saving there, plus just the chance of getting a flat or getting, you know, something happens to your tire, God forbid, um, having sealant in the tire to seal up a poten- potential blowout. Yeah. Um, the, you know, a lot of wasted time yeah. goes to fixing tubes and that. The, the, one, the one question I've always been concerned about, I haven't gone tubeless on any of, my, any of my rigs, and I was always sort of 
you know, worried about like the catastrophic failure, mm-hmm, like because mm-hmm. there's no coming back from you know a, blowing a, out a sidewall. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can blow out a sidewall with a tube. Too. Well, you can. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Dollar bill will help in that situation. Yeah, and I did pass people who had spare tires. Really? Yes. Wow, were they going the old yes. school bandolier straps? Like, gosh, there were people who who literally just had like a packaged tire, like wow. right off of the the no shelf kidding. in their local shop, just like strapped to their backpack and i i had to i had to wonder like did they have a really bad experience last year right um but i you know for for me i i don't have a ton of problems um blowing out tires and that uh i think a lot of that is you know being small but also also knowing how to maneuver the bike around potential hazards yep well and i'm sure so, keeping your equipment in good shape helps a lot too oh, i mean yeah. if you're running old yeah. old old tires you're gonna have a lot more risk of that of course yeah, yeah. updating your equipment is huge yeah and it's always fun to get new bike stuff right yeah. <laughs> what uh, what kind of pressure do you run when you're running tubeless like that um i think i was running i want to say 20 22 and for for kanza yeah um but but honestly i i mean i i just pulled that number out of my bum i i <laughs> I honestly, you know, I, I look at the kind of gravel that's, you know, in the local area. Yep. Um, I, I ride the bike on, on the texture of gravel that I'll be racing on Mm -hmm. just, you know, just a couple miles. Sure. Just to confirm, like, how does this feel? Yeah. And then, and then I make a choice from there. And do you, uh, do you change a lot? I mean, what's your range relative to different conditions? Plus or minus three or four pounds or plus or minus 10 or 15 pounds? I mean, there, there, there are times where I've let out 10 pounds of pressure really? during a race. Wow. Yeah. Just conditions change drastically and you're yep. like, well, air is free. <laughs> I can put it back in if, yeah. if this isn't working out. But, you know, you start a day on, on hard packed something yep. and, you know, 10 miles into a race. This happened um, during Dirty Benjamin last year, 10 miles into a race. All of a sudden we were on fresh, like somebody laid it two days ago kind of gravel yeah you know where you're just riding through basically a sandbox right you need the flotation you Mm -hmm. can't you can't just be running um you can't be running tires that are cutting through right cutting just straight through the gravel right um and and yeah i I let out a huge amount of of air Hmm. um kept working and i mean you just you just have to kind of be able to test that kind of stuff out and make those decisions yep go by feel because you're not going to bring a, a PSI gauge out with right, you, you know? Right, Um Be flexible. Yep. That's what's, that's another thing that's fun about gravel is like you always have to roll with punches. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So is Atso a new bike for you? Uh, the Wahila is yeah. a totally new bike. I was the first person to ride it. Really? More than 10 miles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Which How is, did you get that connection? Well, uh, I, I work for Atso. That helps. Well, that, that's handy. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the the week before the race, I was I was planning on riding the same setup I rode last year, um, on you know a different bike, a titanium bike, and um, the the folks at work just said, you know, like this we have this in. It just came in a couple of days ago. Why don't wow. why don't why don't you why don't you nice. do this? And it was it was kind of a it's a big last minute change yeah. to to change over everything from one bike to another bike in the span of a couple of days. Right. But, um, but I work with great people and, uh, they were able to, you know, advise me on like the geometry 
and uh, mechanically the, the the bike was totally you know everything was was done basically by the time I gave the okay that's fantastic yeah, it was awesome that's great what uh, did you notice changes in comfort level from the titanium to the steel yes uh, the I I couldn't I couldn't use my wrists for two weeks after DK last year. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say like the, the pressure of just taking that much reverberation into, into a small joint like your wrists over 200 miles, you can't underestimate that. Hmm. And, um, I had an overall good race last year, but, but this race, um, I, I finished, you know, I finished on a steel frame, so definitely, some you know some extra power went into you know carrying it up the bike yeah but, sure but but overall i felt like if you told me you have to do the course backwards today yeah i could have wow you know like like the next day i was like i feel great that's like great the kind of pressure that your body takes on yeah over over long distance gravel races you know it, it can make or break you yeah and, and i I, I was really impressed by just how much less chatter there was. That's great in, in the steel. So much like more comfort overall. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have you don't hear that about titanium as often. I mean, you, titanium is is kind of talked about as being a very forgiving mm-hmm. ride as mm-hmm. well. But uh, what you're saying is the steel was even that much more. Yeah, steel is real, man. That's great. Yeah. So was it was a different geometry? Was it pretty substantially different geometry? I would describe the geometry the way the way that I it is set up as being very similar um, to to the flyover which I had been running last year. Yeah. Um, I think that there is eight millimeters yeah. of wheelbase difference between the two. So, oh, really? So, so a very little bit, small difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a wider wheelbase by by a little bit, um, but um, all things being equal, a better standover. Also, mm-hmm. like if I if I did need to get off the bike, yeah. Um, the you know the the bike that I ran last year was a cross bike, and, mm-hmm. and this one is uh, more designed to be um, to go between the two, to be either gravel or cross. Did you notice that difference? I mean, a cross bike has usually got a higher bottom bracket for clearance over obstacles mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Did mm-hmm. you notice a difference in in that setup? It definitely like it, it was able to to just go straighter for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, a a cross specific bike is is going to want to make sharp turns yep. for you. So it's yep. gonna it's gonna fight you a little bit when you're trying to just go Flow. in a straight yeah, line. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. We're gonna do a little music here. We've got a very special song that's gonna I think reflect the the spirit of the day. This is Toots and the Maytals with "Take Me Home, Country Roads."
All right, that was Toots and the Maytals with Take Me Home Country Roads, a great homage to gravel racing. I'm sure they didn't come up with the song in the 60s about that, but it fits. We're here with Risa Husted on Blast Beats and Bicycles. We're talking gravel riding. Risa, we've been having a ton of fun talking about your experiences in gravel riding. Can you talk a little bit about advice you would give to people who are wanting to start out in gravel? You know, what are some of the things that you learned along the way that would be helpful for new people? Yeah, so so we're in a gravel golden age right now within the industry. Like the, the bike world sees gravel and it says, this is great. Mm-hmm. People love people love doing this. Yep. Um, people are starting to ask for gravel specific bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, people are starting to ask like, how do I put more stuff on my bike? Yeah. Uh, which is Which is awesome. Um, with that being said, though, I think it can be a little bit intimidating, Sure, you know, to to start off in gravel right now because yeah. there's so many options mm-hmm. um, there, you know, with with regards to the bike you're riding, with regards to, you know, a lot of people are really training and racing only gravel. Mm-hmm. Like there are some exceptional bike racers right now who are purely dedicated who are only doing gravel yep um and i think that that can be a little bit scary for somebody who says like hey i've never i've never done a bike race before or i've never gone on a gravel ride before um how do i start and then the information that's available Mm -hmm. which it's great that there's so much yeah um out there for us but the information that's available says like oh well you need this new bike and that's going to cost you three grand unless you want the carbon one and then that's going to cost you another four yeah exactly (laughs) um or you got to start training in january you you should be doing hill repeats by Mm -hmm. march right um your tss needs to be at this point by (laughs) and 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 all of that you guys it's that can maybe be important for that, you know, the pointy end of the spectrum, so right. to speak, the people who are Super trying hardcore. to be competitive. Yeah. Yep. But 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 if you're saying like I need I'm I want to go on my first gravel ride, um, you what you need is a bike with two wheels. Yep. You know, preferably that spin when <laughs> when you push on the cranks. Some basic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and, and, you know, you have to have a little bit of a plan, certainly like you yeah. have to, you have to know to your, like say to yourself, like, well, I'm going to go about this distance and I'm planning on bringing about this much food and water. And, um, I should probably tell somebody where I'm going in case yep. I'm out of cell service and that kind of thing. But otherwise, um, I think that the, some, one of the beauties of, of gravel riding is, um, it's, it's, it's for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you get in a weird spot or a hard spot, you know, just maybe look up real quick and say like, oh, wow, like the sky is really pretty right now. Or like <laughs> that tree line over there. Yeah. Stop and smell the roses, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just maybe, you know, just remember to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good, good advice. Well, Risa, this has been just a fantastic hour talking with you. I mean, it, I felt like we've been talking for like 10 minutes, but it's really been a great, great conversation. Hope you had a good time today. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Good. Thanks for listening to me. Yeah, no, this is great. <laughs> this is exactly what this show is is designed to do. So uh, before we go, though, we always do a little event calendar. So we've got a couple things we want to uh, announce. The Southside Sprint is the State Criterium Championship that's coming up on July 22nd in South Minneapolis. Bigwatersclassic.com is the website for that. Uh, we've got also got the All City Championships this weekend. Are you going to be doing Bandit Cross or any of that craziness? I I am planning. So Bandit Cross was yesterday. Oh, I it am, was yesterday. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I instead of doing Bandit Cross, yeah. 
I went got to, the to track. hang out with you. Yeah. yeah, and and won a state championship, by yeah. the way. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, it was good. I, I think I made the right decision. You're good. But yeah, so uh, all city championships is yep. tomorrow. Awesome. Um, and track lacrosse nationals is tonight. Very cool. Yeah, I'm Very planning cool. on doing both of those. Things. Good. Yeah. Good. It'll be fun. Well, I hope you have a great weekend. Good luck in those events. We're going to play us out with, of course, bicycle races by Queen. I want to ride my Own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.